Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Well, good morning and happy Sunday. Thanks for joining us here at another edition of Nashville Vineyard Live. We're glad you're here. We know people are tuning in all over the world, and so we want to say thank you, welcome. Uh, If you're watching from inside the U.S., this is the 4th of July, which is one of my favorite holidays. Watermelon fireworks, all the good stuff. It's going to be a fun uh, day. Um, we uh, We want to pick up where we left off. Uh, we're in this this time exploring the Ten Commandments because uh, we believe we're in a, a season uh, as a people, as a church, where the Lord is asking us to strengthen our foundations, uh, to to prepare uh, for what is to come. We need to we need to make sure we can stand and stand firm, uh, which is what uh, the Apostle Paul tells us to do after we've done all that we can do, is to stand. And in order to stand, we have to make sure that our foundations are secure. And, and that we're actually standing upon the Word of God, not just something we think may be in the Bible. We want to actually look into the Bible. What does it say? How do we live? How do we steward our lives? Remember, we're in the stewardship portion uh, of this uh, summer uh, exploration of where we're going. So we're, we're t- taking off of a verse of Isaiah 55, starting in verse 6. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it first this is our foundational verse. I'm going to pray. We're going to flip over to Exodus 20 so you can get there uh, as we explore uh, this week's commandments. So let's read it here. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow comes from heaven, and do not return there, but the water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn will come up a cypress tree, and instead of the briar will come up a myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. So that's our foundational verse. And with that, we want to go to the Lord uh, in prayer. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We, 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 we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have this, this incredible book uh, as a foundation, as a guide, uh, as a gift to us. Father, we, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to rest upon us, to fill us to the full, to overflow, so that we can have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what your word is having for us today. And we know that we can boldly approach your throne, and we know that there is grace to empower us to live 
the lives that we're supposed to live because of your son, Jesus. And we thank you for your son and the sacrifice in which he made. And it is in his name that we pray these things. Amen. So the, the key here is that we're supposed to seek the Lord while he may be found. And, uh, and so this is a time, as we've been saying, where the Lord, there's a, there's a grace here that's going to allow us uh, to quickly come, come under uh, the authority of the scripture, come under the authority uh, of, of God so that we can learn his ways and how he works and how he moves. And, and so then that we can prepare for what is coming. Good things are coming, uh, absolutely, but, but also difficult things are coming. And so we want to be able to, to withstand uh, during, during those times. So we're going through the Ten Commandments. If, you, if you're just now joining us, I'd love for you to go back and listen or watch to, uh, to the prior uh, talks through this because we sort of set everything up. And, uh, and, and we're, we're going through and we understand that they're for us today. And, uh, and we're supposed to continue to, to conform our lives to them. And we're, we're here at, uh, at this one uh, commandment where we're talking about uh, honoring uh, your father uh, and your mother. What's interesting is, is through the scope of these Ten Commandments as they've been uh, given out, um, we're, we're in a shift of focus a bit. And I think it's interesting. I think it's important to, uh, to, to outline here. Uh, the first, you know, it says that we will have no other gods uh, before him. And, and so it's, it's God-focused. It's, it's us turning our attention on God. The second one, again, is, is that we would make no other idols, no images uh, of God, only our attention, only our focus again is on God. The third one is that we should not take God's name in vain. We should, we should, we should continue to to keep it holy. And we talked about all of these. Uh, and then it takes a shift uh, from that to sort of an, an introspective type of a thing, something for us, and that is uh, we need to take the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, and keep it holy. And the Sabbath is what Jesus says was made for us. And this is a command that's uniquely set apart uh, so, so that we may thrive, so that we may flourish. And so we first start with God as a priority here. And once those priorities get set with the first uh, three commandments there, the fourth one then turns its attention on us, our own soul, our rest, our trust, and how we're dealing with things and our ability to, to rest in peace. And now with those, those things set in place, we now turn our attention on other people. You know, this is what Jesus said when he says, you know, um, we are to love our neighbor as our self. And, and sometimes we, we forget that um, there's a way that it happens. It spills out over uh, from, from the way that we care for ourselves, the way that we cultivate our own souls, uh, the way that we protect our own peace and our rest, that we continue to keep our focus on God, on the things of God, on the ways of God. And from that positioning, then we can then turn and love other people. And so it's important to understand that, that there is an order of operations here. Um, you know, the two greatest commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Well, that's the first, uh, the first three there. And then love your neighbor as yourself, which is where we're moving into now. First, we, we, we take the focus about the Sabbath and how that Sabbath is for us. It teaches us to rest. It teaches us to trust. It removes us from uh, that slave mentality. It sets us up as heirs and sons. And so then now we have what it takes to pour out into other people. If you don't, 
you won't be able to love people properly. If God is not in first place position, if if what he has done and who he is and his holiness and his righteousness, and if, if he is not our number one focus, uh, then we will never really be able to uh, love ourselves or love uh, our neighbors uh, because we don't, we don't have that care for ourselves. So this is an important order of operations that the scripture is laying out and, you know, modern day uh, psychology will back that up. You, you, you can't give what you don't have. And so out of an abundance of love and, and respect and admiration for God, out of, out of following him, out of continuing to, to trust who he is, that he says he is, uh, to, to not put up things in ahead of him as idols, and, and to, to use that and to relax and rest in him and, can, and maintain our current of peace as a people, we'll be able to love other people. But without those things, uh, we're frenetic. We're, we're frenzied. We have idols in place that are going to cause us to use other people. Uh, we, we, we don't trust God, so we have to manipulate. We have to, we have to do what we have to do. And so everything hinges on God being in first place position uh, in, in our lives. We, we cannot continue uh, without that. So let's don't brush past this. We're going to continually, hopefully, as followers of Christ, review these and ask the Holy Spirit to say, okay, search my heart today. Is, is, there, is there anything between you and me? Is there anything between us uh, that I need to get rid of? Uh, am I not trusting you? Am I not resting? Am I not showing you that I trust you in, in, in my Sabbathing and in, in how I'm operating? Am I operating out of a place of fear and lack or am I operating, operating out of a place of, of peace and fullness? And so these, these things are very much in play as we turn our attention to this next command. And we'll read it here. It's a shorter one. It's uh, Exodus chapter 20 verse 12, and it says this, to honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And, you know, the Apostle Paul tells us uh, um, that, that this is the first one uh, that comes with a promise. So this is the first of the commands that comes with a promise, and the promise is long fulfilled life. Now, that's interesting uh, that's interesting, especially as we're uh, we're barreling down uh, in science to try and, f- and figure out how do we live longer. How do we reverse the disease of aging is, is something that's being constantly talked about. They're calling aging now a disease that needs to be cured, which is, you know, kind of mind blowing and uh, exciting. But but they're everyone's wanting to know how do we live longer? Well, here here's a, a pretty easy way to do it, apparently, is that we, it has to do with with honoring your father and mother. So that's a good teaser as we work our way through what this means. Just remember, there's a promise attached to this, long life, you know, good life. And uh, and so maybe maybe that'll keep our, our attention as we kind of step on a little toes here uh, as we go through it. So we first want to break that down. Honor your father and mother. Okay, honor. Well, the word honor there is a, is a term that, that's meant for like a weightiness, a respect, um, it's, it's, it's sort of a, you, you don't take it lightly. You understand the gravity, uh, of, of the situation. And so it's not so much as, you know, you know, bowing or something like that, although it could be, but it's more of understanding my father and mother. Uh, it's a weighty thing. It's a, it's a heavy thing. It's, it's a, uh, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of importance around them and who they are and I need to I need to give that uh, an important position in how I see them how I think about them so as it's saying honoring is saying let's view our fathers and our mothers and understand the importance uh, that they carry understand the weight of this relationship uh, the weight of who they are as the ones that have given us life uh, they, there's a weightiness around this that's that's honestly a lot of times in the scripture that word is associated it's 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 placed uh, up on God and so it's this interesting idea as I was asking the Lord about this you know it's like you know what, what do you have to say specifically about this and, and and you know what are you saying through through the scripture here and the thing that I kept hearing was that when we honor our father and our mother we're, we're in a we're in turn honoring God and so it's still God focused because he has set this uh, this plan in motion from the beginning about how we were to come into uh, the world and so when we honor that system that those people and how he's he's laid out the design well then we honor God uh, in that as well and so we're supposed to take with great weight and great care great thought and great importance the idea of our fathers and our mothers and and we are to uh, to honor them and to to keep them forever in our mind that's another thing uh, that the word means is it's like an always in, in the place uh, of our thoughts. So, in preparing for this, I know that this command has a tremendous amount of baggage for a tremendous amount of people. And uh, I, I, as a pastor and as, as someone who grew up uh, being raised uh, by, by a, a therapist and an attorney, uh, I, have, I have witnessed my fair share of, of family breakdowns. Now I'm lucky, I have some of the best parents in the world and so they're still together and, and it's easy for me to, to honor them. But I know that for so many of us, that is a very difficult command. And so I, I'm not approaching this uh, lightly because I know there's so much pain. Um, in, in praying for people, you know, one of the most effective prayers, and we'll do this uh, at the end, that, that I have found in the arsenal of being able to pray uh, for people is the idea of being able to, to heal and release a blessing from a father uh, to a son or to a daughter. There's, there's so much wounding that goes on there. And I, I'm not approaching this uh, with a light, uh, a light hand here. So hang with me uh, because we're going to talk through what that can look like and, and how, how we can do that because, um, it's it's a command and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure out how to keep it and and once we do we're gonna unlock apparently a strategy that's gonna help us to live a long and a good life uh, our days will be good in the land that he's given us and so just just hang with me in here and understand that I I, I get the uh, the hard parts about this uh, as well but I want to start with Malachi uh, chapter 4 verse 6 it's a pretty famous a passage you've probably heard it multiple times uh, and it says this that he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse this is important to God this is important uh, to to him enough so 
that he has placed this this role uh, as as parental role at, at some of the center of of the entire uh, text here in, in in the scripture. What does Jesus say? How are we to pray? We're to pray our Father, and so the idea of God giving us fathers and 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 that our fathers are deserving of honor and mothers are deserving of honor it, it places us again heart postured towards our father our heavenly father and so we need to we need to understand that that this is not a light matter to God he grieves over bad fathers uh, he he grieves it grieves the heart of God uh, when children are mistreated uh, by by fathers and mothers, because he placed their identities as fathers and mothers uh, to 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 be the purpose of them is to continually point us to the true father, and so the the original intent of how we were designed and how we were created was that we would have a father and a mother. And they would represent our Father, our Heavenly Father. And so it wouldn't be hard to, to be able to understand how to relate to an invisible God because we would have a visible representation uh, in, in our fathers and our mothers. Loving, caring, nurturing, training, disciplining, uh, equipping, um, you know, providing. All of those things were intended to be used by the earthly family model uh, in order to help us relate to God the Father. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he prays and he teaches us how to pray. And he, and he has this crazy idea that we're also, he's calling him Father. And it's like, okay, that's, that's kind of a thing. We're going to have to deal with this. But here we have us now. We're able to call God our Father. He calls us sons and daughters. And so this, this concept of family is at the heart of everything uh, that is happening here within the pages of Scripture. And, and we are to relate to God as our Father. And, and he, that's the name that He has chosen for us to relate and pray to Him. So this is a big deal to God. I just want to say that. And so it, it means that we have to figure this out. The onus is upon us to say, okay, there's a lot of baggage around this potentially. There's a lot of heartache around this potentially, but I think it's a big deal and, and I want to figure it out. How do we do this? So there's, you know, there's several categories of how this works. So, so the one that I think may be the easiest uh, for us to grasp is the idea of children, right? So, so if you think about uh, children uh, honoring their fathers and mothers, keeping keeping their their its its weightiness. Ephesians uh, six uh, one through three says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land." Colossians three twenty says, "Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord." In Romans, Paul talks about, he, he lists, you know, disobedient children uh, in the same category as like murderers and adulterers and all these sort of things. It's a big deal. And, you know, I've got, you can see here, a little more gray uh, than I used to. And, you know, what I know is that, ah, my parents lived some life before I was here. And maybe they actually know a little bit more 
than me. And as I'm raising children of my own, um, I know that they don't know anything. And I have lived life and I know some things. I don't know everything. And so it's this idea of saying, you know, you want life to go well with you. You know, your parents, if they're, if they're actually modeling biblical parenthood and, and fatherhood and, and motherhood, they are, you know, trying to keep you from harm most of the time. Almost everything I do as a parent is to try to keep my kids uh, from entering some sort of disaster, from telling them that they can't stick their finger in a light socket to telling them that they can't just eat candy all the time. You know, I'm trying to constantly keep them from from bad things. They just they just love it. They want to do all the bad things. Well, so this is a pretty so for this this extent. I mean, it's it's kind of a simple thing. Look, your parents they actually do know a little bit about life, and so kids, you have to obey them, and 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 you you don't have to obey them uh, if you if you feel like it's it's not fair. It doesn't have any caveats in here. Again, we're, we're, we're not talking about abusive or neglectful parents, okay? We're talking about parents that are trying and, and all of that. And I, I heard this interesting uh, concept uh, a while ago, and it really struck me. And it says, you know, nobody ever tells kids that they're, they're watching their parents grow up also. And that's true. I mean, when we first had uh, our children, you know, a lot younger, a lot stupider, and, and they're watching us mature and, and grow into the people and, and adults that we're becoming too. And so, you know, there, there is an idea here that, that the, the children are supposed to obey their parents, not negotiate with their parents, um, not talk back with their parents, uh, not, not disobey. Their, they're supposed to obey, even when they don't feel like it, even when it goes against what they want to do, even, even when they, you know, they can't understand why why their parents are telling them about this. I don't need to explain to my son why he can't run in the middle of the road as I'm yelling at him to stop if there's a car coming and uh, I'm trying to save him. I can talk to him about it afterwards, but at the moment, he just needs to obey. Well, why, why do you think this is such a big deal? This is such a big deal because so it is with us and our Heavenly Father. Uh, first and foremost, we are supposed to obey. He requires obedience, not sacrifice. And so it's not about what we can do for God. It's about us actually just obeying him. It's about us following him. It's about us submitting our wills to him. And so he's laid this design out and he, and he wants the parents to teach their kids to obey. And there's a lot of things about discipline in the scriptures when it, when it comes from parents to kids. And it's not just so that we don't have a tremendous amount of bratty kids running around, although that is a great byproduct. But it, it's also so that the children can understand that discipline serves a purpose. And they've experienced it. They, they've witnessed it. They, they've, they've held those things inside. If a parent is, is you know, functioning at their best, they're explaining the discipline. Afterwards, they're, they're walking them through this life of discipline. So that we as adults, when we begin to follow God and we get disciplined, we can understand, wait a minute, that's actually what a loving father does. My loving father disciplined me. And so we don't have those existential crises that we see all the time when, when God begins to discipline people. See, there is a, there's a huge family breakdown that has been happening over the past, I don't know, 10,000 years. It's always been an issue. 
There's never been a golden age. The family unit has always been under attack. And, and to, to think otherwise is just a folly. It's, it's always been under attack. And so there, there, there's very rarely a real good old days. It's just things were a little bit easier and familiar when, when you uh, were experiencing them. But I mean, the scriptures are full of family breakdown. And, and the breakdown of the family and all of this sort of thing. And, and if, you, if you just Google, a quick Google search of what does God say for parents and children, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of, of warnings uh, of, of, of scriptures that talk about the family. Because the family is so central to uh, us being able to relate to God. And so the way that we relate to God most oftentimes is influenced almost 100% by the way that we relate to our family, primarily our parents. And so this idea of, of honoring your father and mother that is being instilled in them is not a, that's not a punishment technique. That is a life preparation technique. And so God is actually saying, listen, parents, because it, it actually is, it's in the short run, it's harder to be a disciplinarian. It's easy to kind of let your kids just get away with stuff and to not be consistent and to not be thorough in our discipline. But the result of that is not is not easier because they uh, there's a breakdown in, in that relationship. And that'll continue to carry forth when they, when they go out into the world on their own and the very first time that God begins to give them a bit of a spanking, it is going to throw them for a loop because they don't associate a father like that. And so God will do it. He, you know, you may be against spanking, God ain't against it. And so if, if we neglect disciplining and obeying and requiring those things, we're really setting our kids up for failure. And I'm, I'm, I'm staying on this because, <laughs> because of experience, because uh, as, I, as I sit with uh, you know, suicidal teens, uh, as I sit with uh, people that, that are trying to figure out how to raise a family coming from a broken family, I, I really feel like if I could do one thing to, to solve so many problems, it would be to fix the family. You know, someone should come up with a ministry that's like, we should like focus on the family. I'm kidding. That's already around. But, but there's so much involved in that, in that familial relationship that could save us from so much pain and so much sorrow. And, and that's why this is just right here in the center of the commands. This is the basis of, of kind of everything else of how we, how we continue to grow and, and continue to live. And Mother Teresa famously is quoted as saying to someone who, you know, came over to help her in India and left their family back home. And, and she said, you know, if you want to change the world, don't come here. Love your family because that's where it starts. And so we look at this as that it, there, there is a weightiness to this, just like it says to honor. There is something that is, that is so crucial, and it's, it's a linchpin uh, of, honestly, societies. And as we continue to see more and more evidence of family breakdown, we'll continue to see the, what, we're, what we're getting and what we've gotten for the centuries. Kids, kids will parrot, parrot their parents. And, and they will they will typically do uh, what has been done to them. And so if we can get it right the first time, it doesn't mean perfect parenting at all. You're going to make mistakes. Just a pro tip, when you make a mistake, apologize. That's it, it works. 
don't try not to make mistakes, just apologize. You know, it, it works a lot better than trying to be a perfect parent. But th this is where we're at. And so the first one, if you're watching this and you are still a dependent upon your parents, if you're if they're paying, if you're on their cell phone plan, uh, if if you're getting insurance from them, this is still a requirement for you to obey. You are underneath uh, their care. So if you're listening to this, um, you're to obey and respect them and honor them. Um, you know, again, there's extenuating circumstances. So if they're telling you to do you know something evil or something like that, obviously you don't have to. But for in general, it's still a requirement. So then let's move it out. Okay, let's move away from. Uh, the idea of kids we we, I mean, we could talk about parenting for 10 years and and not get through it um but let's just let's just move on uh from that so 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 you're no longer a dependent you're a young adult um and first peter 5 uh, 1 through 14 says this i exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of suffering of the suffering of christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed shepherd the flock that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as god would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive unfading crown of glory likewise and this is, a, this is where i want to hone in likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you with humility towards one another for god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So for those of us that have, you've moved out of your parents, you, they're not in direct control, the relationship is shifting uh, a bit to more of a peer-based type thing, the tendency is to, to again to think, because you've always thought it, that you know a lot more than your parents do. And you continue to eschew their advice and wisdom and, and, to, and to just do whatever you want to do. The scriptures say that that is still dishonoring to your father and mother. And it says here that, that you are to subject yourself to the elders willingly. See, now it's a choice. Now you have a choice where you can willingly say, I'm still going to subject myself to you. I'm still going to honor you. I'm still going to, to seek your wisdom, to seek your counsel. I'm still going to pick up the phone and give you a call. I don't have to do those things anymore, but I'm making the choice. Again, we see the parallels to our relationship with the Father, the Heavenly Father. There comes a point where you have a choice, and you're going to continue to choose that. And, and you're going to continue to put yourself under his subjection willingly. And we continue to see the parallels here that God has laid out in these designed creation to reflect his glory and to reflect how he wants to relate to us. So then you come, you become parents of yourself and you're in between. You have kids uh, that are driving you crazy and you may have parents that are driving you crazy and you're wanting to know, what do I do uh, with this? First uh, Timothy 5.8 says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there is also a point here where we are to care for our elders. And so as people that are maybe young families, maybe you're coming up in your career, uh, that isn't always just to benefit you. There is a reciprocity 
that is that is written into the pages of scripture where where the old take care of the young and then the young take care of the old and what we are seeing here is an outlay for a uh, a flourishing society in which there is no such thing as disposable people um, if you just take a stroll through a nursing home you will see what it looks like uh, to have a disposable people mentality to have a mentality of, of what it means to not have uh, respect for your elders not in all cases but we have a, we have a problem we have, we have a societal issue there there's actually there's not enough space there's not enough um, you know uh, uh, of resources here to take care of them because why because as we've done with everything, we've done it with our, with our own parenting, we've done it with everything, we've just relegated and subjugated that to somebody else. But the scriptures actually say that it's our responsibility. Now again, I've been able to witness this well on both sides, on my wife's uh, parents and grandparents and how they've stewarded that and on my parents' uh, parents and, and my grandparents and how they've, they've continued to care uh, for those when it would be easier to just stick them somewhere. Uh, they have taken this command seriously of like, no, I, I've actually, the Lord has given me uh, this ability to work, this ability uh, to produce, this ability uh, to be here, not just for myself and not just for my kids, but now I get to turn around and show honor uh, to my parents in this way. And imagine what that would do uh, for society. A lot of, uh, you know, Eastern cultures, they do a lot better job uh, at this than Western uh, society. So if you're watching this from an Eastern uh, cultural context, you probably don't need to hear uh, any of this. We'll talk to you in just a minute. But, but as Westerners, we've really lost this, this value uh, of, of being able to, to care for uh, our parents and what that means. And so the, the scriptures are, are very clear. Um, Proverbs 10 verse 1 says, uh, it says, A wise son makes a glad father, uh, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. First uh, Timothy five four says, "But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household, and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God." Again, the church was having an issue with what do we do with these widows, and 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 the, a lot of their the church's resources were getting put to caring for these widows. And and what Paul is saying to Timothy is like how to operate. Uh, amongst a bunch of people who now believe in Jesus and say, look, okay, do they have, uh, you know, believing children and grandchildren? Those have to, like, those should bear the burden first before the rest of the church does. And he says uh, that this is pleasing in the sight of God that, and it's showing godliness to their own household. And so there's something connected to godliness and holiness, spiritual maturity, and and pleasing God in us turning and caring for uh, our aging uh, parents who, who, who are, you know, we're out of their control, we're out of their house, we're making decisions, we have kids of our own. But here Paul is saying there is a godly component and, and there's a holy component and there's a pleasing to the side of the Lord component in us caring for them and not pushing that off on to other people. The, the scriptures take this more seriously than we would probably want uh, to continue to go. I told you last week that we're going to start stepping on everybody's toes, mine included, uh, as we continue to go through these commandments. 
Uh, now, what, what do you do if your parents are, are gone? Uh, they're, they're, they're dead, and, uh, and so now you're sitting here and saying, am I absolved uh, of this command? You're not. Uh, you're not supposed to elder worship. You're not supposed to, uh, you know, to do that, to really try and talk to the dead. That's necromancy. You're, you, so you're not supposed to, like, honor them in that way. But one of the ways that you can do that amongst, like, you know, remembering them and, and, and thinking of the good things about them, First uh, Timothy 5.1 says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. And so then you, what you do is you look around and you say, who is above me? Who's, who, who is an elder to me that I can actually give honor? Because what you're doing is when you're sowing in honor, you're reaping what? Long life. So, so there's definitely a selfish component to this. But you're also doing what Malachi is talking about. You're turning your hearts to the Father and the hearts of the fathers to the children. And so if you're, if you're a parent, and, and let's say that you have grown children who are not honoring you, what do you do? Well, there's a couple of things that you do. The first thing is you say, Holy Spirit, have I modeled this honor to them? And so often, we haven't. We, dishonoring children dishonor uh, what, they, what they see, right? And so typically, it's a generational thing where their parents did not honor their grandparents. And so they don't have a level of honor uh, for them. And so what you can do to put us to stop the slide of this is to begin to show honor to both your parents, to elders in, in your in your community and to your kids. It's the order of operations in Mal Malachi 4, 6 is that when the hearts of the fathers turn towards their children, then the children's hearts turn towards their fathers. And so if you're in a position where you say, my kids don't honor me, okay, that's probably hard and we want to empathize with you, but we also want to ask, have you modeled honor? And can you continue to model honor uh, more thoroughly and in a better way? And it doesn't mean that they're gonna come around you know, automatically, but what the scriptures seem to say is that there is something that happens when the, when the hearts of the fathers turn towards the children. And now we want to move into the hard stuff. What, what do you do if your parents um, were neglectful, abusive, or, or even absent completely? How are you supposed to do this? Are you supposed to, to lie and, and cover up for them? Um, I see that quite a bit. Are you supposed to hate them and, uh, and, and cut them out? I see that quite a bit. Um, well, how, do, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we act? You know, one of the things that I've noticed uh, just uh, literally growing up around and watching, um, you know, kids uh, from, from, from abusive households uh, and watching all this, the thing that I've learned is that unconditional love really only flows one way. And it flows from the hearts of the kids to the hearts of the parents. I have seen, and it's so hard to imagine as a parent, but it's something you see all the time of parents not loving their kids, leaving them, abusing them, neglecting them, abandoning them. And I, I, have, I have walked with so many people uh, who are a product of that, that situation. And, and let me just say, if that has happened to you, I am sorry. It's, it is, it is one of the greatest tragedies uh, that we can endure uh, as human beings is to, is to go through that. 
is to see our parents neglect or abandon or abuse us. And so this, this command hits us, if, if that's you, it, it hits hard. Because there, there is a, 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 very, um, a very righteous anger that can arise uh, about this. Um, there's a loss and a sadness. There's a longing. Uh, I've seen abused children continually run back into the arms of the abuser, uh, willing to receive more abuse because they just want to receive the love of their parents. And it is, it's a tragedy. And it is, it's excruciating to watch. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've never received the, the blessing of your father or your mother. Maybe you've never been able to experience uh, the love of a father, the love of the mother. And so because of that, there is a break also in how you relate to the heavenly father. It's you haven't witnessed it. You haven't modeled it. You don't trust it. And now here he is, he's telling you to honor your earthly father and mother. How in the world can you do that? And that's a, that's a valid question. And so I want to take us to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24, uh, verse 11. This is David. And David is, is, is interacting with Saul, who is the king. David has been the anointed, he's, he, like, he's the appointed king. He's going to be the, he's the heir apparent. And Saul is trying to kill him. And they have this amazing interaction uh, in a cave. And, and, and Saul has brought 3,000 people to kill David. Now, David um, you know, loves Saul's son as a brother. He looks to Saul as a father. You'll see here where he calls him a father. And Saul has come to kill him. So this father is abusive. Uh, at best and he's he's neglectful and he's manipulative and he is a terrible terrible father and yet we see this incredible thing that makes David it just sets David apart from so many other people that we read about in the scriptures and and Saul has backed into this cave uh, to use the restroom and David and his men which are I mean trained killers are in the back of the cave and they say this is your chance to kill Saul take the king and, and take the crown and, and you'll be king so David goes up, he gets convicted, he, he cuts a little piece of clothing off, and, and he says, you know, I cannot lay a hand on him. And so we see here, it says, now my father, see the piece of your clothing in my hand. I cut off the piece of, clo of, clo of your clothing, but I did not kill you. So no one understand that I have no desire to wrong you, to do wrong to you. I have not sinned against you, yet you come wanting to kill me. May the Lord judge between you and me. May he punish you for your actions against me, but my hand will not be against you. As men have long ago said in their wisdom, out of the sinful comes the sin, but my hand will not be against you. After whom has the king come out? After whom are you running? After a dead dog? After a little bug? But may the Lord be the one to judge between you and me. May he see and help me and save me from you. So there's something here that we can, we can glean just quickly. As we as we close, first of all, he doesn't he doesn't apologize for Saul of what he's doing. He very much recognizes that he has been a victim of abuse and pain, so he doesn't sweep that under the rug. But what he says is, "But I will not allow that to cause me to enter into sin, so that I know that sin begets sin, 
And so he understands that it's actually for his own good that he not enter into that sinful uh, cycle. And so then he says, he says plainly, may the Lord be the judge between us. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so he's, he's taking this to the Lord and saying, look, Lord, you see it. You see the abuse. You see the pain. You see the neglect. May you judge. May you save me from this. And may you judge them. And then may you help me. And this is, this is the process of honoring an abusive, neglectful, absent parent. Is, is to not sweep that under the rug. Is to deal with it in your own hearts. To recognize it for what it is. Not apologize for it or make excuses. Take it to the Lord. And say, Lord, I will not hate. I will not replicate this with my kids. Uh, I, I will not uh, seek vengeance. It's yours. But will you judge between us? And will you keep me from this? And save me from, from this orphaned, bastardized position. Rescue me from that. And then what does Jesus call, call God? He calls him our Father. And the Father wants to then come in and rescue and become the Father that you may have never had so that you can then turn around and give that to those that you love uh, and, to, and to your own children. So again, so much we could talk about with just this. This is years and years uh, of sermons and books and counseling and all of that that we could go into uh, for this. And if, if you're here, just as we're ending here, because I know the statistics and, and odds are uh, that, that, it's, that you're, you're from this last category. Uh, I meet fewer and fewer people who have great parents that they love. And so many people come from broken homes. So I want you to know that you're not damned to that, that there is a way out of that, and there's a way to, to honor, and, and the way to honor is to not hate. The way to honor them is to not replicate. The way to honor them is to turn it over to the Lord, and then to turn to the Father, the Heavenly Father, so that He can begin to father you and shepherd you that you, you've been missing out on. And I want you to know and I, I say this so often in, in times of healing prayer, especially inner healing prayers that we do with people, that what your parents have done to you grieves the heart of the Father. It was not his intent. It was not what he designed. It's not what he wanted. So much so that he sent his son to step into the picture so that he can begin to father you. And that's what he wants to do. And he wants to step into that role. And to do that. And so I'm going to pray over you as we close. Uh, and I'm going to release the blessing of a father as a father myself onto you. And I want you to hear these words coming over you. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to understand that these are the words that the father says about you. The father, the heavenly, eternal, great father. The one that we all are trying to emulate as fathers here on earth. That we'll never measure up to. This father are saying these, he's saying these things to you. So if that's you, just sit back, just close your eyes. And, and, and I want to release the blessing of a father on you. So Lord, we do thank you that we can come to you as our father when we have no father. We thank you that we can come to you as our father when, when we have failed as fathers and mothers of our, of our own. 
We thank you, Lord, that, that you care so much about us, that you have told us to call you Father, that you will step into those places, into those wounds. And as a father right now, I just release a blessing of the Father over your life. I just release, um, I release joy over you. I, I release goodness over you. I release the blessings and the blessings and the blessings that were due to you from your father and your father's father over you. And I say as a representative of God that he is proud of you, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he will take care of you, that he is for you, and he wants what's good for you. And he is sorry for what you have endured. It was not his will. And his will is to heal those places of your heart that have been wounded, if you will allow him to do that, to open yourself up to him fathering you. And so the father says, well done. He says, my son, he says, my daughter, come to me, return to me, allow me to father you in this moment. And I will never leave you, he says, and I will never forsake you. And I will stick closer to a brother. There is nothing that can separate you from my love and from my hands. I am well pleased. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. If this has struck a chord uh, with you, feel free to contact us, uh, our prayer ministry team, or healing ministry team. Uh, we'd love to get with you and pray with you and, and maybe set you up with a spiritual father here uh, that can begin to, to walk that out with you. Uh, here as well. So we love you. We look forward to seeing you in our home churches uh, and in uh, our worship nights at our, our new time and worship service every Sunday at 11 o'clock or right back here uh, next week. God bless. For all upcoming events, more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening and we hope you have a great day.